I'm Alan, and my pronouns are they, them. I'm Kaylee, and my pronouns are she, her. And my name is Danielle. My pronouns are she, her, and you are listening to Target Snark It, a weekly podcast from Broad Digital Consulting. And we're back with part two of Keeping Kids Safe Online with our lovely special panelist guest, Danielle Webster from Prairie Public Radio. Last week, we discussed online safety for children, use of parental controls, and how we can best keep children safe while they engage with others online. But what about when parents are the ones creating content from their children? Let's kick it back to where we left off. So, you know, when we... When we were last talking about this, this idea of consent and around kids being maybe part of more counterculture movements around uh, whether they want to be perpetually online or Alan, as you had said, you know, whether they want to curate this same kind of online life that has existed for the rest of us for a long time. Uh, You know, we've also got... (laughs) Of those generations that are, I guess, chooky and also, you know, uh, the awareness generation and perpetually online and, and like don't know any other way to be. They have very airbrushed, very curated spaces online that now we're seeing these, these sort of movements against. Those people are still having children and now are bringing their kids into their desire to be famous. I I think that there are a lot of kids that are being thrust into the limelight. Anecdotally, I'm somebody who literally always wanted to be a famous actress. You know, I can completely understand a parent wanting to help make, uh, you know, a kid's dreams come true in in wanting to be famous, Uh, especially since it's more accessible than ever to be able to do something like that. You know, it used to be that you had to like travel or like move to the coast and one parent had to like take it, like not have a job and just like full time. They were like, carting their kids to auditions and classes. And, you know, let's be real. Like I ran an acting and modeling agency for a number of years. And even with actual actors, models, professional, famous people, there were always plenty of parents who wanted it way more than their kid did, right? Like I encountered that a lot. Every single person that walked into my office with a child was like, my kid was born to be a famous, look at this face. And it's like, oh, your kid's actually not that cute. But like, anyhow, uh, you know, I, I understand that, that that is, we're seeing that now too with, with parent influencers. I think it gets even more concerning because of that kind of new access. Child influencers seem like they're absolutely everywhere. There are some real horror stories, as I understand it, coming out of it. Uh, you know, yeah. I haven't heard about like, like this one couple, the Stoffers, the Stoffers, 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 I don't know. They literally adopted a child from China. Yes. The child was special needs. They built their entire brand around adopting this child and being parents of a kid with disabilities. And then they gave the kid back mm-hmm. after like four or five years. This was not four or five weeks. This was we cashed in and then couldn't do it anymore, I guess. I don't know. They have a whole bunch of explanations about how like 
the the adoption agency lied to them or whatever four or five years later and so (laughs) that's I mean so now we're talking about kids like as commodities and you know kids as content just in general I don't know it seems like there's some real concerning shit out there I know Danielle that was one of the big things that you wanted to talk about Kaylee I know you've also got some horror stories as well so you know lay it on us here like some of their shady shit so I want to break up that there the child influencer thing can kind of be broken up into three aspects you have the family vlog which has been huge over the last like 10 years you have people like the LeBriant's Ace Family, FGTV, which is a get family gaming channel. All of these that like do the daily vlogs of this is my life or, oh, my kid broke his arm and we had to go to the hospital or like uh, there've also been that's dad. Uh, but <laughs> there was one family that I watched. Oh, my God. It was so bad. They were pranking their children. And they like said that the kid made a mess and they're like, why'd you make this mess? Blah, blah, blah. The kid starts crying. And then in the end of the video, the dad's just like, it's just a prank, brah. And it's like, then they upload that onto the internet for content. Fucking disgusting. Yeah. That is so there's, there's the family vloggers. I don't, it's basically the family unit is the brand, both mom, dad, kids, all of them. So kids are actively in that content. Then you have the child influencer where the child is the brand. So that is more of like your D'Amelio sisters, Jojo Siwa, Addison Ray. You have a lot of parents that make TikTok accounts for their toddlers too, but it's the child being the actual brand. And then you have like the child of an influencer or a celebrity uh, so the Kardashian kids, North has her own TikTok account. Penelope has their own. They do have, oh my God, Chris, do not come after me. The Kardashians have supposedly things in place about them posting content. But yeah, so it's like their parent is the actual brand, but they show their kid to be like, cause I'm a mom. That's it. Like for mom clout or par- parental clout, I will say. So I mean, the, three. the 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 first one that you mentioned, the the family vlog piece, you know, now that you're talking about it, because like the whole like the prank thing brought up in me like I hmm, uh, I, I was listening to a radio show years ago. It was like 2005. Right. And the radio show had people, adults calling in and pranking their kids. And oh. one of them, I, I literally stopped listening to this radio show in Denver. Uh, I, I was, I was, my stomach was turning because I was driving and I like, I just about had to pull over. This dad like called in and said that he was going to, you know, prank his kid and they were all going to listen because his kid, his, his son was watching some, I don't know, freaking Disney movie then and loved the Disney princess and, and like would sing all the Disney princess parts and like the prank ended up being him like busting into his kid's room and screaming at him for being gay. And then it sounded like he was beating the shit out of the kid. And it was the most fucking uncomfortable. And like these hosts, like you can tell, like they're, they're nervously laughing, but they are laughing. Yeah. 
oh my God, like that, you know, and, and you look at like this sort of great American pastime of, and not even just American, like there's that, that fun show. Is it a, a, a Japanese show? That's like the, the kids you watch the kids, like they're like grown up or like they're little kids and they, they have to go on an errand and they take their little, oh, they go to the grocery like, store, yeah, they go to the grocery yeah. store and like, yeah, you know, like kids are fun. Like that's like a sweet show to watch. Right. Or like America's funny, funniest home videos or, you know, uh, the, the videos that Jimmy Kimmel asks for with the, like, give your kid a weird gift and like, you know, an avocado. Thanks. Like, you know, it's, it's cute sometimes, but it also signals this sort of tradition that we have of like putting kids in that limelight, I guess. Yeah. The, Halloween candy prank on Jimmy Kimmel gets a lot of heat. Yeah. That one has layers for me. I'm like, it's, you know, what are you supposed to take away from watching this? Like, oh my gosh, these are such bratty kids. Or, oh my gosh, it's so funny to watch these kids cry. Or, yeah, those kids put in the legwork to get that candy. (laughs) It was this fun. they did they got to put on a costume and go see all their neighbors and do this with their friends and get candy and then you're messing with them like why is this funny i don't i I don't know i i don't like it i've never liked it again they're people right Mm -hmm. i mean yes i guess we do prank grown adults but i feel like prank i don't like those though either it's different though right i mean depending on what the prank is like if you're if you're pranking somebody like with a prob like with problematic subject matter or whatnot. Sure. But if you I, fr- I flushed my wife's birth control down the toilet. Oh, is it so funny? Like Ew. no, bro. That's I- fucking abuse. Like right. That's assault right there. Jesus. <laughs> Well, yeah. it's it's interesting to me too. I cuz I was just thinking about consent again and like pranking isn't very consentful. No. I also am like I was thinking about consent too. And like with regard to putting kids on the internet, we say like, I hear a lot like, oh, we ask our kids, can we post this? Is that okay? And then I'm like, but why do we think they're of an age to give that consent? Right. Cause we say this with regard to like other serious things, right? Like kids aren't old enough to give consent for, for certain things. Like if you do a thing to them, they can't give you consent, even if they said yes, for example. And I'm wondering why it's different with regard to like posting their person or something they do on the internet, if that makes sense. When you guys mentioned the Kardashians, like I've read stuff recently about how like Courtney doesn't post her oldest son really yeah, anymore. Mason. Yeah, because yeah. he doesn't like it, you know. And they've had that conversation and then that's what works for them. And that's good. And I'm like, okay, cool. I'm, I'm glad that you respected him for that. What yeah. if the rest of the kids don't want to do that? You're going to be okay with that? Cause you guys are like, this is like your brand, right? Yeah. And that's really why I don't really post my kid like at all. You might get an odd picture here and there of like the back of his head or like, you know, a goofy anecdotal sto- story here and there or something cute that he did or whatever. But like, again, they're, they're people. We got to grow up and and curate our own image on the internet, however chuggy it may be. (laughs) (laughs) It it was something that we did on our own, right? And so, like, these are people that should be able to do that for themselves. Like, if they want to exist on Facebook or on TikTok or on Instagram or whatever new apps and, and 
platforms come about in the future, like they should get to do that. They, we, they shouldn't have to have their whole life documented for, for everything. Like for what? Because I, because I wanted to, because I thought it was cute. I don't know. I think you touch on something really interesting there though. And, and to, to take the, the, because you're my kid piece and marry it with consent piece. I truly believe, and I, I don't think I'm going to get a whole lot of pushback on this, that we have a very fundamental at its core lack of understanding around what consent is and isn't and what it looks like and, and the, the weight of things. I think that people ascribe consent that your yes and your no are of equal value and weight. And that's not true in any capacity. And, and what I mean by that is that your no is always and should always be more important and more weighty and more valued. Just in general, when you're talking about like, okay, you know, can a kid say, yes, I, I do consent to this? No, not really. We understand power structures and power dynamics and that like, a 14-year-old cannot consent to having sex with an adult or, uh, you know, a, an employee cannot consent to having sex with somebody who controls their paycheck, for instance. These are, are power structures and, and dynamics that are uh, that that should be understood that, that could, you know, do with a little more understanding and comprehension. But just because a kid can't say yes does not mean that a kid can't say no. And that's what I mean when I say that that no needs to be uh, of a greater weight, a greater value, because a, a child, anybody is able to revoke consent at any point in time. But a yes has nuance. It has what are those dynamics? What is that power structure? Who has agency and who doesn't? But a, a no is a no in in every language right like a no 100% means the exact same thing across the board and and so a child should be able to revoke consent to having their image shared but i think that that there has been for a very long time i mean shit there was um there were uh humane society laws before there were laws protecting children from mm -hmm. abuse. There was there were laws against the abuse of animals before there were laws against the abuse of children. And because there is is a real belief among a lot of people that parents are owners of their children as though a life can be owned by by another one. I think that that's where a lot of these people think like oh yeah, like she said yes, she loves doing it. Like but can can they really like say yes? Consent is something that's really getting talked a lot about in a lot of parenting circles. Like, you know, I became a parent a few years ago. I joined groups, you network with people. There's a lot of discussion around like, we've taught our kids that like you don't have to give anybody a hug that you don't want to give a hug to. We ask, like, do you want a hug and a kiss? Yes, I can give you a hug and a kiss. If you don't want a hug and a kiss, we're not going to do a hug and kiss. You don't have to touch, be around anybody, do anything you don't want to do, right? How can they take us seriously if they haven't, like, actually given actual consent to posting their entire lives on our Facebook profiles or on our Instagrams? You know what I mean? I feel like there's a little bit of a disconnect there. It's like, how can you be so militant about teaching children like they have agency over their body and they have agency over 
choices that they make, but yet you're not actually giving them real choices about what you choose to share. They don't have agency over their image. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and on some level in the digital world that we're in, especially with now I, the, the, the in vogue thing. And I know that Kaylee Allen, uh, we've all seen articles about this as we pour through articles for our newsletter, which also comes weekly on Thursdays, uh, that uh, a lot of people are really focused on personal brands right now, saying that everybody has a personal brand. And, you know, we've talked about uh, the woman who doesn't even have license to her own name anymore. If you're out there, we're also contacting you. Uh, <laughs> to talk about this exact thing. Uh, you know, I, I think that, um, yeah, I mean, when when you turn your kid into part of your own personal brand, it completely negates the fact that like all they have, I mean, is there all we all have is our own image, right? Our own name. It's why Kaylee gets paid because the city of Chicago stole her likeness. So, yeah, so pays. <laughs> <laughs> Because yeah. your likeness is is what you have, right? And yeah, you're right. Like if if we're teaching kids about this, like if a kid can't give an affirmative consent, then just don't do the thing, right? That's the easiest. That's what's made it like easiest for me. It's like, you know, I think about every single, as Danielle, you and I are both firstborns too. We both probably have the, you know, like we were talking about the big, thick baby book. And then the mm -hmm. other don't have as much, but it's like <laughs> all if all that content, it's because they loved us more, but still it's like all the content that they hoarded of us. Right. I am so grateful that none of that is on the internet and not that it's yeah. embarrassing or anything like it's cute. I was, I was a devastatingly gorgeous child, obviously, <laughs> but I'm, there's just things it's like, you know, I'm, I'm glad that's not on the internet. Not everything yeah. needs to be out there. I'm glad I got to make my own identity on the internet. I mean, I I've can share the pictures that I think are cute from my baby yeah. book, right? I, yeah, I can share my own pictures from when I was a baby. I didn't do any research on this today, but I mean, I've, I've started hearing stories here and there, like in the last few years of like these kids that have had their whole lives documented on the internet. They're starting to be like, you know what? That sucked of you to, to have done that. And so I'm going to mm -hmm. sue you. And I'm going to be compensated for this now because I didn't consent to this. I wasn't okay with this. And then in other instances, like reading about, you know, like the mommy bloggers and stuff, like their kids are getting old enough to not want their pictures taken all the time, let alone everything posted, everything told all about everything that they do, begging their parents, begging their moms, like, please don't take that picture. Don't post it on the internet. And they're doing it anyway. Like, I think we're going to see a lot of pushback from these kids in the years to come. Um, I hope we do. I, I hope we do, too, because it's just, you know, it's not fair. I yeah. fucking hope we do. The the kid who, uh, well, I guess he's not a kid anymore, the grown adult who um, uh, sued because, like, it was his infant body on the um, album cover of Nirvana's Nevermind yeah. album. Yeah. I, I was all for it. Fuck yeah. Like. Yeah he was a baby and that band profited off of his likeness yeah hell yeah absolutely fucking sue him like these not to mention some of the gross stuff that kaylee when you talk about like family like the family influencer brand 
Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I'm thinking of an influencer in particular who's made, uh, you know, her husband's infidelity really central to her brand um, and has involved her two young children in everything around her influencer brand. Even some of the like some of the stuff that the kids get involved in is sus. like, you know, when you can see in the reflection of the picture where like mom and dad are in like a super intimate pose wrapped around each other. And the caption is all about like, like finding sexual intimacy with your spouse again. And you can see in the reflection that a six-year-old took that photo. Yeah. And you think about the context of like, like nobody wants that, right? Nobody, nobody wants. And then where you think about like, do I, you know, the kid, the kid ends up in the hospital. Like to your point, Mm -hmm. Kaylee, like we had to go to the Mm -hmm. hospital. Like, do I want my whole hospital stay on the internet? No. No. Yeah. I actually have a little horror story about that because as you had mentioned, like there are already Gen Z who are coming out and talking about this experience of like having a Facebook mom or a parent influencer of some sort. Um, so this one person who's actually kind of the whole reason we sparked this conversation because I found their TikTok account is uh, this person, Cam. They use the pronouns they, she. Uh, their mom used to post videos on Facebook and MySpace, and it uh, started causing them a lot of paranoia if people would stare at them too long, uh, mm. specifically because one time when they were 12, an old man messaged them and said that he had seen them riding on their bike in their neighborhood what yeah so they would get random messages from people who would say that they'd seen him or random strangers who would come up and kind of act like they knew them um so they became like super paranoid about people around them they are also immunocompromised and every hospital visit was posted with like (sighs) intimate details about why between the years of 2015 to 2016, they were actually homeless, their parent and them, or their mom and them. And they developed Bell's palsy one day and they went to the hospital. The nurse was trying to remove the nose ring piercing to see if like that's what caused the uh, Bell's palsy in the side of the face. And they looked over and their mom was literally just recording in the corner. And so... Uh, that was around the time that they realized, like, the boundary is crossed. Like, there's nothing that she won't post online. Um, so they specifically found peace, kind of as Awen had mentioned, with Anonymous. They made a stan account on Twitter and talked about One Direction. Um, like, I think actually many Gen Z who might have dealt with this. This might yeah. be the track they go on. Um But yeah, setting that boundary with their mom, they don't share a lot of intimate details in general with their mom now. Uh, And in 2019, they finally joined TikTok and felt comfortable enough to kind of share their perspective. So they have a TikTok account now where they talk about like, they'll reshare parents who give ideas of how to keep your kids safe. Like, I think there was this one Etsy store that made like personalized backpacks And they were like, if I had one of these backpacks, someone could really easily like say, oh, there's my name. I think you know me like and I would have gone with you type thing. Yeah. That's why I mean, 
my parents, shit, this was back in the 90s. My parents wouldn't put my name on dick, like, Mm -hmm. for that very reason. Because if your name's on something, it's that much easier for people to find information about you or or make it seem like they are somebody who knows you. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I also just can't imagine, like, how must that make you feel to know that, like, while you're sitting in the hospital, your parent is prioritizing their followers and their feed. Yeah. How how horrifying to feel as a child like a commodity. Or like thinking about like, I, I, I read an article maybe like a year ago that talked about sort of the, the weird, the weird world of pet influencers and pet influencer accounts. Whoa. And how. After me, okay. <laughs> Doco's modern life, whatever. <laughs> Doc has literally tens of followers. Okay. I actually don't know how many followers. I has hundreds of followers. Hundreds so. of followers. But like the sort of this weird world of pet influencers where like there are people now. Alan, I think I sent you this article. There are people now that are trying to, that they're paying tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars to clone their dogs or their pets because if your entire income stream is this animal and then the animal dies, so dries up your money, I guess. Uh... Right, no, like like super fucking weird. But like then you think about like, the pressure of being like if you're if your child is an influencer or you're looking at a child influencer they are the sole breadwinner in that family right like if that's how the family could afford to quit their jobs in what world can we possibly act as though a child feels safe revoking consent when it would force their parents back to the job they hate and they might not get to go to Disneyland that year. Yeah. They're like, Mass- they're the breadwinner. Mm-hmm. We know how this fucks up child actors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Didn't we all just watch this happen with Britney Spears? Like, didn't we all just fucking see this? Well, like, and that's what I meant when, like, I was talking about, like, can they give consent, right? And you mentioned power structures. I also think, like, Having a brain that can under truly understand the implications, can truly understand the consequences. Like when we talked about brain development earlier, we all have psychology degrees now. And like developmentally, there are milestones and there are things kids go through and there are things they cannot understand. Yeah. Literally. Their brains are working a different way than ours. So where does that leave us, you know? Because mm-hmm. we do want to ask their consent. Like Danielle said, you you have bodily autonomy. And maybe the, the bridge there is like, you can have your own TikTok. You can have your own, right, whatever. It's not me as a, as a parent or as an adult using you as a vessel to fame, fortune. Yeah. Accolades. I, th- I think TikTok was able to get a lot of parents that are in that momager dadager role um gave those kids the opportunity to get away from that 
right? Because like, I kind of think about Jojo Siwa or uh, the D'Amelio sisters, Addison Ray. they all, all four of them, for the most part, have a lot more control over what they do than like, before Addison Ray was a dancer, just like Jojo Siwa. I think they both were competitive dancers. Like, it was doing whatever that coach said. That was how you were going to make it famous. And it was like once the kids had that power of making themselves famous from either TikTok videos. I mean, Jojo Siwa was literally just because she like was a rainbow as a person. So she like made her own brand that way. But it really was all her. And like, so did the parents push them towards TikTok or did TikTok become an avenue for them that then they exploded, you know? Not to say I don't think their parents don't totally milk everything that they're worth. All four of their parents, all of their parents, like. Hi, I'm Jordan. You don't know me and that's fine. I want to recommend something to you that you'll love. It's Owen's debut poetry collection, Dead Name, and it's available for pre-order now. Dead Name is a collection of poems that shares the coming of age of one trans and queer person in the new millennia, yet it echoes across all identities to show how embracing the liberating and revelatory act of queer love and transition can not only free queer people, but all of us. Here's what poet Kieran Hodgers had to say about it. You're going to want to sit down for this. Put down whatever else you're reading and call in sick to work. Dead Name is a pulsing, vibrant, and necessary collection that heralds the vivid, visceral experience of heartbreak, joy, wonder, confusion, and hope. Technically astute, creatively playful, and emotionally honed, I am angry at how incredible these poems are, and that is the highest compliment I can offer. So if you like to be mad, sad, happy, moved, and just generally feel things while supporting a queer and trans podcaster you know and love, pre-order Dead Name from Right Bloody UK today. Find the link in our Target Snarket social channel bios on YouTube, TikTok, and Instagram at Target Snarket. We know just based on the impact of, of, of what happens with child actors, with child stars, with Britney Spears is uh, an excellent example. We know that exploitation of children happens at all of these levels. And a place like Hollywood, at the very least, has unions and unions can put in some safeguards around how long children are expected to work in the course of a day that, you know, they are mandated to have a tutor that's on on set with them. You know, it's one of the reasons, uh, a fun secret that like, if you, you know, if you are talking about the kids shows, one that I can recall, you know, from my childhood was even Stevens and Christy Carlson Romano was absolutely an adult when she filmed that. It's because child labor laws uh, end up meaning that they can't film as long as they want to. So that's why a lot of adults are cast as teenagers, as children, if they can get by with it, because they don't they don't have to be beholden then to child labor laws when they're filming. So, you know, we know that unions do protect these kids. We know that, uh, you know, there's there's pay that is involved in and whether or not I mean, that's even fair. We have Macaulay Culkin, Britney Spears to look at, but there are at least some rules in place that protect kids. I think one big one in general is that in Hollywood, you have to go to a set. When you're an influencer. Oh, you're set at the house, right? 
you don't get to leave your set, right? Or like, like, because your set follows you. Your set is wherever you fucking are. Yeah. And who can protect you then? I hope and I believe, I believe that's coming. Like for child influencers, family vloggers or whatever. I do think that's coming. I don't know how long it's going to take. What I don't think is ever coming is like protection for just kids that are being shared and not being monetized. I really don't think people really know like the extent to how content can actually be taken from you. That content share on platforms actually doesn't belong to you. That you might have 200 close friends on Facebook, but actually that doesn't really mean anything. Like, yeah, those photos can be taken and shared, used how in any way that you don't think you would consent to. And you actually don't know sometimes who these people are. Yeah, if if nobody knows any child molesters, then it stands to reason that they don't exist, right? Right. Well, wait. There's because they have them here in Florida. Yeah, like because, <laughs> you know, like they do exist. So we have to live with the uncomfortable truth that of those 200 close friends on your list, like maybe there may well, be. How many friends do they have if they share it? Right. You don't have control right. once they share it. Mm-hmm. Right. I will say uh, when it comes to laws against child influencers, there isn't anything necessarily. They do have to follow the Fair Labor Standards Act of 1938 or state by state child labor laws or child actor laws. Um, So that does put like child influencers specifically who are monetized at like financial, physical and psychological exploitation. So we have legislation is being proposed at a federal level that would be requiring 15% of earnings from content of some sort, whatever's being monetized, putting it into a trust and adding regulations, ensuring that they stay in school. Cough, cough, the Paul brothers needed to frickin' stay in school rather than just drop out to make content. Anyone in the hype house, all of them are dropping out of school as well as imposing restrictions on working hours because family vlogs, the families control the hours, not the company. Right. That's, I I really do hope that we see, you know, because I think that influencer marketing in in particular is still the wild west, right? Regulation is so far behind. And we know too that, I mean, you know, talking about even protecting kids in the form of child labor laws, or, you know, safety, schooling, things like that. I, I mean, Daniela, you bring up a very good point that like, Keely, weren't you talking about like Ren Eleanor or somebody? Like there is, yeah, there are a lot of adults and adults who have no business liking child influencer content that seem to be hanging around because, you know. Yeah. So that's part of my spooky sector is I have two <laughs> stories of TikTok influencers as children that kind of just like, I want it to make everyone take a second thought about things. So as Danielle had mentioned, Ren Eleanor is a four-year-old who has a TikTok account that's ran by her mother. She has 17 million followers. A four-year-old has 17 million that followers. Is... <sighs> so... At first, people were just like, oh, this is cute content, yada, yada. And then 
my beautiful friends of the online sleuthing community started looking and they would notice that certain content would perform better than others, specifically that things that included like a crop top or a bathing suit, water, anything would be saved upwards of 45,000 to 375,000 times. That's vile. A lot of parents saw this uh, person, the one sleuth who kind of went through all the videos, saw the video, and a lot of parents decided to take their children completely off the internet after seeing how many times they were saved or shared. Well, I mean, like, how do you not? Like, I I don't, okay, I, I understand that, like, I don't have a ton of room to tell parents how to fucking do their job because I'm not a parent and I'm not liable to become one. And, but like, still, like, how do you recognize that there is a specific type of content of your child that is being saved or shared disproportionately? How do you not pull your fucking kids down from the internet? Or... I've heard of images of children, like innocent images of children that have just stolen from people's Facebooks or Instagrams or whatever, being used like for certain like role play type of things. Like deep fakes. Um, yes, deep fakes, adoption scams. Oh. Um, specifically like children of color and like of, you know, and, and indigenous children. I. I, I follow this indigenous influencer. She's awesome. That's besides the point. She doesn't post pictures of her kids because she's like, yeah, I don't want people to pay tens of thousands of dollars thinking that they're going to adopt this baby. Oh and, they, God. Oh my God. and they think it's my baby. <laughs> you know? yeah. That's the type of thing. And, and, and who would think, who could possibly conceive that something like that would happen like with a picture of your kid? You think you're sharing a picture of your kid with like your friends, your family or like whatever. And I'm just kind of like, yo, again, you don't always know everyone's motivations in my, in the course of my career, I have interviewed people professionally in their office that years later were investigated for, we used to call it child porn, but it's like, it's child abuse images is what they are Yeah, for having yeah. these on their work computer. Would I ever think that this per- this very respected person that I spoke with on a in a professional capacity like would I ever consider them being this type of a person? Absolutely not because you don't know. You don't know. Yeah. You you do not have control of an image, you know, of a kid or not. You know, once you post it on the internet, it's no longer yours. I love my favorite thing to see on Facebook is I do not have rights to this music or whatever. <laughs> Like, it's like, no, you don't. <laughs> and Facebook may eventually find out and take it down because of that. You saying that doesn't actually cover your butt in any capacity. None of this content that you have now shared with us is yours anymore. It's it's and- always funny when the, I don't think it's chooky. I think it's boomer. When, <laughs> when you see the, the posts that are like, I, this, I hereby declare that Facebook does not have any kind of right to anything that I post and this is my legal declaration it's like honey I don't don't you know how the law works (laughs) (laughs) it's very Michael Scott like I declare like bankruptcy he's like I declared it like no that uh 
No, I, I think one of the other things that I find really scary about child influencers, and, and you know, there's validity to this or not. Um, are you all familiar with that? It's like Bebop and BB uh, is a TikTok account. I literally, so like my TikTok knows who I am, right? Like there's a lot of gay content. There's a lot of like fun music content. There's a lot of dogs. All right. That's that's the content I get. I get a, a little bit of like true crime conspiracy theory shit. There was one in particular that that showed up on my page and it was talking about this this uh, mom and, and daughter uh, influencer account, Bebop and BB. And they have they have also have like millions of followers, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, and, they have six million, six million on TikTok is their best, but they also have thousands on Instagram and YouTube. Sure. And like, it's a little like, actually, it's more than a little creepy. I wouldn't watch some of those videos and they are a little haunting. Like, I didn't find the ring disturbing. But if those videos were in, I, I might have been scared. Like it, it, it was just not it wasn't great. Um. A lot of people have pointed out that they are always in the same room. And they've pointed out, like, you've got people who will zoom into the videos and they'll find, like, why does it look like this door is locked? Or why does it look like this door actually can't lock from the inside, but there is some kind of lock around, like, there, or there's, like, a deadbolt or something, and it, it doesn't appear as though there's a latch on the inside. Why does it look like there's like that looks like a camera over here? And you've got people who will say like, hey, like wear red on your next video if you need to. And then they'll show like, like, look, that's they what's wore messed red. up. Yeah, they play into this like mentality. OK, I did a lot. They did. They are part of my notes. <laughs> OK, so Bebop is the child. She goes by Bebop on in the Internet. She's nine. Her mom is forty nine. So it's also kind of like a very drastic age difference. Bebop used to have her own YouTube channel, but then her mom started being in more stuff. So there are actually like a lot of subreddits dedicated to Bebop and BB. Like people, like just like you were saying, D, people zooming in, people being like, what is this? What, like, what if a house is laid out like this? Where could they be in the house? Like, a lot making little floor plans of where this could possibly be so people are zooming in they saw chains they saw locks on doors and they started to comment like wear blue kind of like with britney where it was like wear blue if something's in trouble on your next tiktok and then the next video would be they would be wearing blue but so they got the internet so crazy rolling stone actually wrote an article about them and, like, they had other people start uh, looking into them. Supposedly, they are recording everything in a studio they built in their basement, but it's built to look like the little girl's room. So it's a studio that they have everything in. The things that are creepy are there's, like, a 50-year-old uncle who signed on Bebop LLC, because also she has her own LLC for all of this. He's one of the signers on it. They don't really know what he has to do with any of the videos, but you know he's there. And then the mom is always like kind of holding her. And so you don't know necessarily whether or not this is like the kid's ideal content. The grossest thing, or there's two things that are pretty gross. The kid, and I'm saying this as a 90s child who wore a lot of chokers growing up as in kindergarten wearing chokers. 
She was recorded. She wears a lot of chokers, but has also been recorded in um, a collar at one point, like a dog collar. Uh, And in like sexy French maid costumes or like very kind of inappropriate content, like jumping on balloons, the kind of weird stuff you see. And they would also manipulate Bebop's image so she would look younger than she is. So a lot of her videos make her look like she's more six, but she's nine ten. Ah. Wasn't the other thing, I feel like I, I read something somewhere about how there used to be very early on when they were doing like family stuff that there used to be an older brother and that now there is not an older brother. And yeah. also there is something about like the older brother, like running away or something like this. It was uh, disturbing. And and it's it's like, no matter what the truth is about this situation, because I know that there was some suggestion that they were they were victims of human trafficking, either one or both mm-hmm. of them, and were being held against their will. Of course, you know, conspiracy theory, well, whatnot, but go ahead. There's even a theory that like people connected her to a specific missing person. Yeah. People were I even that. saying that she was Aranza Maria Ochoa Lopez, who was a missing child for like five years. So it would put her at the age when she started recording, she's not. They have now the she is actually They've the child the of child. the woman in the video. Yeah. Sure. Right. There, but yeah, they have been a creepy account for a long period of time. And they like lean into it though. Right. And that that's what I, I was gonna say is that no matter what the explanation is, none of it is cool. Yeah. Either this is actually like like a very awful situation for one or both of them that that you know they could be victims of trafficking they could be held against their will um they they could genuinely be in trouble or they're milking it for the views mm-hmm. and the algorithm and no matter what that child is not involved in that decision making there is no way at all that that child can consent to anything like that and and leading into what is essentially being like, well, you know, so what if it's not like if if other people read uh, when I say other people, uh, you know, potential pedophiles are like watching my young girl jump on balloons and wear a collar and dress in these costumes because like that's okay. Like we're making money off of it and it's not technically pornographic. Like, no, like that's where the child abuse imagery, that label, I mean, it makes a lot of fucking sense because like this kid cannot consent to that. No, not on any planet anywhere. No. Well, so this is actually, you know, one of the things that I know that, that we had also, we talked a lot about how kids engage online and and I think it's important that marketers and uh, and and folks who are you know small business owners that that if you're you know you're catering to parents to to children to families to think about these things that the way that kids are showing up online to be cognizant of it but also like for me like I said earlier the the influencer marketing industry is really like the wild west the regulation just isn't there to back things up like as it continues to progress and evolve we know that influencer marketing agencies exist that platforms exist where you can find them but you honestly as a marketer you cannot really truly verify your influencer really truly honestly 
I mean, unless I guess you know them and are there with them in person while they're doing this, but that's not the case most of the time, right? Like the the digital age just uh, reduces distance. And so you're not sitting in like on set with these people or even in their space while they're filming these, you know, this sponsor content. Uh, For those of you not watching the new season of Party Down, like, please, please rectify this immediately. Okay. Um, That's a big ask to buy Showtime or Stars or whatever. Like, uh, yeah, but just just for this, truly, like they, they do tackle the influencer thing really hilariously. But because you can't verify this at all, you can really only verify to an extent. Like you can start, you can use platforms, you can pay for platforms that will verify somebody's audience authenticity. Uh, You can ask for audience reports because like influencer scams cost companies, I think it's something like $1.3 billion in 2019 alone because of like fake followers and things like that. Like the audience isn't authentic. It's not made up of real people. But even more than than validating an audience, again, you know, we talk about the human elements here. You can't verify in, in a family situation if these people are, if the children are consenting, if they're doing this of their own volition, can they consent? What does that agency look like? You know, uh, uh, these types of things, because you can't actually know if the kid that you're working with or the family that you're working with is in some sort of like exploitative camp, like tread very fucking carefully. Because, you know, as as we've all said here, as these kids get older, secrets are coming out and they're they're going to continue coming out. A situation like a bebop at a BB, what does that girl do when she becomes of age? Um, if if she is actually like of her own volition, able to like walk away from all of this. And when you work with influencers like this, especially inside of this family world, your brand could become associated with a nightmare in the future. And I mean, shit, you know, you might not be working there anymore. And so you don't care, but like, like, goddamn, like protecting your brand reputation, like it might not be that far in the future. That, that kind of thing, it seems like people should be very, very careful about working with family influencers, if only for that reason. I don't know. Thoughts? I mean, ideally don't work with kids. If you're targeting kids, target the parents and why the parents would need it for their kids. Don't target kids. Don't be Nickelodeon where 80% of your commercials are all for like, what, the Nick magazine, any type of Nickelodeon website that just went up. Like, don't target it at the kids is my opinion. Go for the mom, the dad, the parent uh, target audience. I mean, what what about if you're uh, a fun toy? Like, I don't know. It, it seems to me like if you're if you're doing that, like if you're marketing a B2C sort of a, a toy for kids or a platform for kids, like find the budget to do it in studio. Yeah. Find the budget to bring them on set to have control over the situation. Yeah. Like if kids are involved, just be more co- like be more aware of what the image is going to turn out as. I say as someone who has used my nephews for advertising for a client. <laughs> we we are nothing on the show if not hypocrites in some way, shape, or form. <laughs> Absolutely. 
Yeah. I mean, like, I think too, there are, you know, action items here, obviously not, not just for marketers, but for, for parents and family members too. I'd, I'd love to get everybody's take on that since we all know kids. You want me to go first? Go for yeah. it. So I think the main takeaway is if you're dealing with content about kids, obviously, whether it's, you know, content that you are monetizing on the internet or just content that you're quote unquote sharing with your Instagram friends or whatever, it's always worth extra, extra, extra questions about like what you're actually sharing. Not everybody can or wants to like just never share anything. And I understand everybody's got their own reasons for it. But I mean, I think of like people like in my own field who like, you know, made online comments about stuff and like ended up getting fired from their job because it's like, you can't, you can't have this job and like be talking like that or like whatever, you know what I mean? Right. And like, if you're having to sit back and think about things that you share that can reflect back on you, you should also be asking your questions about things that you share about kids. Like, how is this going to affect my kid in five years, in 10 years when he's an adult and he, you know, I don't know what they're going to be doing in, in 20 years or whatever, when my kid is applying for jobs, I'm assuming that <laughs> it'll be a lot easier to look someone up and, and find even more information about them. Do, do we really want them looking at everything that my kid has ever done since he was born? Are some things okay for them to see? You have to be okay with everything that you ever post being seen by everybody. It's none of it is private. And, um, and the other way I think about it is like, I mean, there are ways to share about your kids that don't really go, you know, into breaching any like, you know, unwritten contract about privacy or whatever. Like I follow parent type influencers that like one, for example, she's amazing. She, um, she, her platform is all about educating, like parents about talking to their kids about sex and body stuff and like uncomfortable subject matter that a lot of people struggle with because we all have our own baggage and like all these things. She's got three kids. She posts photos, not photos, but like videos of her interactions with them, but they're always in selfie mode. She's asking them questions. She calls them by nicknames. You don't know any of their real names. You don't know where she lives. None of these things. Like and I love that about that, about her, because it's like, she's doing good things like educating, you know, people about how to talk their, to their kids about this type of subject matter. But she's also being really respectful of her kids' identities, um, their names. I mean, just everything about, and, and where they live, all that stuff. If you can post like that, I think that's great. If you can follow people that post that way to kind of like you know, give yourself like the validation of, you know, like, you know, you can do this. I mean, you don't need to, if you have shared everything <laughs> for years of your kids, I mean, try not to panic. I, I mean, I'm not saying you should panic, but I do think that it's just, it's worth extra thought. Like it's, th these are not pets. These are people and mm -hmm. um, they're going to grow up and, and they're going to have adult relationships with you, you know, God willing. And, um, and when you look back on, you know, your life of raising these people, like, 
are you going to be okay with everything that you've shared? Are they going to be okay with everything that's shared? Ask yourself as many questions as you can about the content that you share, because it's never too many questions. Yeah. Yeah. How they- that was, that kind of like led into what I was thinking too, is like, talk to kids. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not a parent and I'm kind of anti being a parent, but like, I do think kids are cool and smart. And I think you can, we can do what we can to protect them from things coming in, but there's a lot we can't do. But something that it, it's all an opportunity to like have conversations about things that blossom outside of the digital world. Like I mentioned boundaries. We talked about consent, consequences, implications, relationships, like And I know like parents don't have a ton of time, right? But like even myself as a non-parent, I can talk to kids, you know, and maybe like I seem cool because I'm not their parent, you know, and I have a neck tattoo, which is really cool. (laughs) (laughs) We never talk about that, but I think it adds to the clout. (laughs) I think it's important we talk about it. Amazing. Uh, Yeah, I would just have to echo Danielle's thoughts, though, of... um, Sorry, not Owen's thoughts of being cool, but just like, just having like a second thought, especially like, you know, us adults, how many politicians and comedians have we seen that posted something stupid almost 20 years ago now on Twitter and like it's ruining their life? Don't mm. do that for your kid. Even if it's a funny picture, like. Yeah. And I know I even get upset if my parents post a picture of me where it's like my 11 year old fat phase. And I'm like, really? This is what we wanted to post for my birthday? Not (laughs) my face now at the age that we're celebrating, but whatever. I do think this has been a really interesting conversation. I often selfishly say that, that this podcast is really done selfishly for me in a lot of ways because like they're interesting conversations. And I always feel like I learn something, you know, no matter what the conversation looks like. And it helps me reframe how I do things. Um, you know, Kaylee called out the the hypocrisy uh, of using your nephews in advertising while having a conversation about this. You know, Amir and I talked about that, like the hypocrisy of of what we were talking about in an echo chamber, right? I think that we just have to accept sometimes that that that's going to happen. But I think that one thing that I really took away, you know, we've we've referenced this episode with Amir. It was a really great one. You should go back and listen to it. The currency of attention it was episode what seven? Episode seven. Se- seven. seven. It's going to be on YouTube, Instagram, and TikTok. If you want to like and subscribe, <laughs> like and subscribe. Uh, <laughs> uh, but something that really came out of that conversation was. There are a lot of things in the world. There are a lot of structural and systemic issues and things that are happening to us. And we may not be parents or even as parents, we may not be able to control everything about the world and protect our child from everything. But the world does not happen exclusively to us. We still get to choose how we show up in it. And we still get to be an active participant in shaping what it all looks like. So, Dee, when you say, like, follow parent influencers 
who post about their children responsibly, I think that's huge. I think mm-hmm. that's fucking massive because if you can unfollow the people who don't think of their children as human beings with agency or don't don't seem to act that way, you take away the currency of attention. You take away the engagement that you like how I brought that back around. Like you take away the thing that is constantly affirming to them that they're doing the right thing because people are able to justify a lot of different things. You know, we wa- we're watching that uh, that Netflix documentary or docu series about golf and like the the Saudi Arabian League and like how oh, you know yeah. all of these golfers that are moving over. You know, how are you you're contributing to like hiding or or sports washing the exploitation of of human beings, right? With with an atrocious human rights record in Saudi Arabia. And one golfer, you know, I was super disappointed in it, but he justified it by being like, "Well, a lot of people say that I've made enough money." And I say that's relative. And, you know, I've got a family of four kids and I have parents to support, blah, blah, blah. And like, okay, yeah, that's fine. People can can find ways to justify this behavior. No amount of money is ever enough. Right. And and they will continue to. But if we take away our likes and our engagement, which I think can sometimes be hard because I know like I love hate watching. I love hate engaging. Like it's like I thrive on it sometimes, but like, I, you know, I don't need to, right. I, I don't, I don't need to follow the influencer who blocked me after I called out her bullshit. She was the one with the weird marriage photo, the kid that was taking it. I, I think that, that we get to choose who we give our attention to. And since all we have is our likeness and our energy as currency, as our attention as currency, we should be more mindful about where we spend that and understand that um, while, you know, attention is a finite resource, it might not feel that way scrolling through a feed, but we we do get to choose where we put that. I think the other thing that that I've learned that I will take away, again, I'm not a parent, but I, and and honestly, I mean, my brother and, and sister-in-law haven't had kids. I don't know if they will. Um, so I don't know if I'll ever be like a biological auntie. Um, I am an auntie to many uh, friends, kids, and I have taken photos of those kids while you know we've been hanging out, and I've posted them without considering that my profiles are all public because I fancy myself a public figure of sorts. You know, my profiles are all public, so even though I think nobody's really paying attention, that's not true, and people can find that stuff. And it makes me go, you know, I don't really love that I have those pictures up. It makes me think like, are those things that maybe need to be archived? It makes me wonder how when I interact with, you know, when I go down and visit uh, my my best friend and, and her husband and, and you know, our other friends that live down there and they've got, I mean, four kids between them, you know, I, I post a holiday photo of all of us together. Uh, do I need to put emojis over the kids? You know, do how can I how can I share this experience while also honoring the child? Because like I don't approach any of those kids and demand a hug. You know, we we do the hug or high five. Like, which one do you feel comfortable with? Neither one. Cool. 
feels shitty to be rejected by a child, but you know, we have to learn how to do that. Like everybody should, should learn how to be rejected, uh, you know, graciously, even by a five-year-old. And so like, like it'll hurt too. They're right. No, it does. They're brutal. They, have, they are. I have a gajillion nieces and nephews and they are brutal. Vicious. Yes. My your nephews hair will be stupid. like, yeah, I have a zit on my face. What's that on your face? Right. It's gross. You're chuggy. What? You're yeah. five. Shut up. Like you know, someone. <laughs> my my niece is like so cool on TikTok speaking of like so many followers. And like I see her looking at me when I come over, you know, like oh, I am you're the chuggiest. biggest. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm a loser. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, but is that a neck it, tattoo? Cool. Like I know. Like I'm joking. Like she thinks I'm really cool. <laughs> you know, when I think about uh my my nephew's uh fake YouTube channel, uh like I think it's hilarious and it's sweet and I can talk about him without referencing his age or his name or where he lives. You know, those are all important things. Uh, you know, Tyler is is very much an, an uncle to those kids and has taught the oldest one uh, a lot about cooking uh, and is like, you know, the guy that the oldest looks up to. And we used to post about it a lot. And now I, I look back and I go, not only did I not ask their permission, I asked their parents' permission, but I didn't ask their permission. And even if I had... Is that something is is that something that they would have felt safe saying no to? Can they give consent at that age or does it feel like they have to say yes? So maybe I just don't need to. So I know like just as a, a non-parent, this entire conversation has made me reconsider how I show up with kids on my own online presence. The best rule of thumb that I have heard is take your followers or your connections on your social media. Like I said earlier, I have 1200 people on my Facebook. Okay. I'm kind of a big deal. Right. Public figure. (laughs) But it's like, if I wouldn't waltz into a room full of 1200 people and hold up a photo of my kid on his potty chair and say, you guys, come look at this. (laughs) (laughs) Essentially, it's essentially what we do on social media. It's it's walking into a room saying, hey, guys, this, right? No matter what this is. And it could be, you know, all the multitude of things that we share on, on social media. Great. Some things we might not want to share like that, whether it's about ourselves, especially about our kids. Mm-hmm. Would my teenager want me to walk into a room of 1200 people and be like, guess who failed his driver's test? You know? Ooh, yeah. Cause it's funny, mm-hmm. right? Maybe nice. to, or maybe even just a thing to talk about with, with a few people in your little circle, you don't walk into a room of 1200 people and say that no. you just, cause he's going to hate you. Well, and, and remember, and remember Alan said like, mm-hmm. talk to kids. Mm-hmm. It's kids are the arbiters of their own experiences because they're humans, you know? So yeah, it might be funny to you because it's not the end of the world to you, 
But, you know, we only have, I think it was a really excellent wisdom I read or was told, sorry if you told me and I forgot who you were, that like, you know, as we get older, we are able to deal with failures a little bit more effectively because we have the benefit of the years of experience behind us and we have more of those. And as a child, you don't have those. You you may think that this failure is the thing that that totally ruins your life. Because you don't have, you know, evidence of having lived through something like this before. And kids are the arbiter of, of, of their own experiences there. So one uh, last thing I will say, and this is uh, parents, friends, family, uh, everywhere of children. Don't post pictures of poop in the toilet. I Ew. feel like I see that. No, I've I've seen that. Why are we ending on this? I'm just saying that is peak <laughs> Facebook mom. I should have said it earlier. That is peak Facebook, mom. Just don't do that. Just don't do that. Danielle's like, I'm going to wrap this up with this. (laughs) Literal shit. Um, To do item for this episode, stop posting poop on the internet, everyone. (laughs) We could call it a... Actionable. We could call it a to-dookie item. Hey, that was was like borderline Gen X there. The dookie is a Gen X. Yeah. Uh, thank you, Danielle, <laughs> so much for joining us and uh, and for sharing your really invaluable expertise. Uh, just in terms of you know the 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 public nature of of how you interact and how you show up, um, and and how uh, you've seen all of this work, but also you know as a parent and as, as a parent who uh, is very concerned about uh, making sure that their kid has agency over over their own likeness. Uh, Thank you to our listeners, and uh, we look forward to seeing you again next week. Bye-bye. Thanks for tuning in to Target Snarket, a weekly podcast brought to you by Broad Digital Consulting. Our podcast is hosted by Danielle Bilbrook, Kaylee Myers, and Alan Connolly, and produced by Margot Gill. You can always learn more about Broad Digital Consulting on our website, broad.digital. That's B-R-O-A-D dot digital. Or you can find us on social media using the handle at Target Snarket. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss an episode. And if you're feeling so inclined, we'd love for you to review our pod if you like what you're hearing. 